Squirms writhed and fed, their bodies gleaming in the lurid morning, feeding hooks flashing in and out of their mouths. A second scoop caused further frenetic activity, till some of the squirms were surging half their body length out of the water. The third and final scoop quietened this activity a little. Only one deader in this particular pond, Eldeen was glad to see, and that one a fresh, so therefore unbroken, squirm. Stepping back, she retrieved her pole-grab to see if she could reach it from the bank, but it was too far out. She sighed, pulled on her armoured gauntlets, and waded in, treading down the mat of silkweed and algae rumpled up at the pond's edge, while the hooks and ovipositors of the squirms grated against her armoured waders. With the dead positioned in the jaws of the grab, she almost dropped the pole when a live squirm rose out of the water beside her, flashing out its glassy hooks only a metre from her face. She backhanded the creature, slapping it down into the water, before pressing the trigger of her pole to close its jaws round the deader. Then she turned and trudged out of the pond, hauling it behind her. Once back on the bank, Amongst the wild rhubarb and clumped flute grass, she paused to swallow bile, feeling sick with fear and the weakness caused by the constant drain on her by her skull. After dropping the dead squirm on a mossy patch next to the path, she took up her feed basket again and moved on to the next pond. She'd collect the deader on her way back, along with any others, once she'd emptied this load of meat flakes into the twenty ponds that made up her round. As Eldine trudged towards the next pond, she gazed up at the satellites glittering in the sky and tried to believe that beyond them lay wonders and those seemingly magical worlds that had been described to her. But it was difficult to see anything beyond this orbiting metal that might just as well have formed the bars of a prison. The outlink stations were poised on the surface of the sometimes expanding and sometimes contracting sphere of the human polity. They marked the line beyond which AI governance and polity law no longer applied. Most of this sphere's border lay in intergalactic space, but on the edge of it, facing towards the centre of the galaxy, the density of stars increased, and the line was still shifting, as worlds were subsumed by or seceded from the polity. Here was a buffer zone of human occupation, beyond which lay numberless unexplored systems where people had ventured, but where hard fact blurred into strange tales and myth. Each station had its own character, its own shape, and its own distinctive society. Over the centuries, better materials and methods of manufacture had become available. Also, fashions had changed. Some stations were spherical, others were ovoid, and others still were like steadily growing arrows. Station Miranda had the shape of a cornstalk, with accretions like fungus down its eight-kilometre length. 
additions made during its long history, and those who dwelt within it were strange to the transitory runcible culture. Apis coolant was one of the more exotic examples of his kind. He was so thin and lacking in muscle that gravity above one quarter of a g would have collapsed him as if he were made of sugar sticks and tissue paper. He avoided the runcible travellers who mostly kept to the one g areas. Death to him, as even a friendly pat on the back from an Earth normal or near equivalent would break his spine. He did not mind this isolation. He preferred the warm electric atmosphere of the station near the scoopfield generators, just as he preferred the company of his own hairless, multi-hued kind. However, the station was not.